along. Welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake. I am your host, Darren, and today we're going to be covering Unexpected Company, which is the start of the second half of the fifth season, episode nine. Uh, originally broadcast on the 15th of March 2019, along with the uh, the other seven episodes that comprise the second half of the season. Uh, directed, as ever, by Troy Miller and written by Hallie Cantor, uh, one of the new writers that was hired between the two seasons, I think. Uh, I certainly don't think she had any credits in the first half of the season. Um, and in this episode, uh, we are at uh, yet another party, as Buster is once again being welcome home. Uh, this is after the 2nd of July parade, uh, where Buster was, of course, uh, broken out of prison by his real father, uh, everybody else's Uncle Oscar, um, and they are on the run. Um, uh, at the party, we have, uh, we have some funny business as... Um, uh, Lucille and uh, George Sr. try to hide from the children, maybe and George Michael, uh, the kind of the dealings that have been going on with the Chinese, while at the same time, maybe and George Michael try to hide the fact that they're two million in debt because of fake block. Um, and we also have the interaction between Job and Tobias. Of course, Job is now um, has been forced to be gay because his gay conversion double closet trick uh, was scuppered by the fact that Tony Wonder was covered in concrete. Um, and so he was unable to go back into the closet and become straight. Um, and so, for, you know, he's been forced by the gay mafia to remain gay. Um, and uh, he also had to dispose of a body for them, uh, which he thought was Tony Wonder. <laughs> but we'll soon find out uh, it wasn't. And we find out from George Sr. Uh, with his, he talks to Michael and he t he says to him that he has... Uh, forgotten the debt that he owed uh, to Lucille and the Ostero company, and he has not forgiven yeah. the debt. Um, and so they have absorbed uh, the Michael Bluth company into the uh, the you know the 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 Bluth company, uh, which is itself a Bluth Ostero company company. Um, and uh, they, they talk about how he is now because of this absorption, he is the co um, uh, chair of the company. And of course, uh, Job, they say, doesn't even know that there's a B in debt. So he doesn't, he won't know anything about the fact that Michael is running the company with him. Um, and there is a, there's a whole bit of business where um, Tobias uh, kind of very loudly declares that his family have left him only to reveal that he's hiding them in the attic. And at one point he says that they will have to survive on the income he makes from um, acting, to which, of course, uh, Debris begins wailing. And, of course, he says, you can be happy, but you've got to be happy quietly. Um, and <laughs> we then see where Buster and, Buster and Oscar have got to. Um, and they are basically uh, going to the hospital uh, to uh, get him a new hand. Um, and they they try to figure out a method for walking. They insist on left-right, not realising, of course, that their lefts and their rights are different, and so they immediately fall over, and so they come up with the inside-outside system, um, which for the rest of the time that they are walking around, they will constantly say inside-outside, inside-outside, which I guess it works. Um, we have a weird little scene with George Cena attempting to kill himself using an electric car, um, by having the hose pipe go from the battery. Um, Michael comes and stops him and says, all you're doing is running down my battery. Um, so, you know, he, he, this is where George Michael, George Sr. explains the, the situation with the company. Um, and this is where we find out that uh, Joni Beard is listed as a, a consultant, that they spent, um, I think it was $20,000? $20,000, yeah. 
Yeah, on a 3D dental printer, because of course they're in the offices of Two Hour Teeth. And I like that, you know, um, Michael, in this kind of business meeting that he has with uh, Adia and um, Job, he says that he wants to see receipts. And um, Job says, we can have it printed and in your mouth before sunset. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, if you want a 3D printed receipt. And uh, I kind of like that. And also the fact that Job has learned that K means a thousand, um, which he then, for the rest of the season... Uh, there's a point where he refers to three million as three KK, um, so he co- he constantly uses K, um, and he's rewarded by a deer much in the way that a deer had trained dogs. So every time he gets something right, he gets a snack. Even when a deer leaves the room, he kind of calls through on the intercom and, and allows Job to have a snack. Um, you know, like a little treat each time he gets something right, which I think is a funny kind of uh, thing. Um, and then to, with George Michael and Rebel Alley, she wants to see Fate Block, which obviously is a company that does not exist. Um, and he comes up with the idea of having some Guy Fawkes, which is mispronounced as Guy Foxes, uh, protest, and maybe that will make her afraid. Um, and of course, uh, <laughs> they end up not scaring Rebel, and instead she goes in, and we see that Fate Block is an actual company that somehow exists. Um, and then, uh, for some, I mean, we end up at the cottage with uh, George Senior uh, attempting to kind of recapture the attention of Lucille. And there's this funny, there's this funny bit with a guy who has an accordion and he keeps repeating stuff that's been said, uh, which includes the the kind of "How did you ever find me?" which was, which is kind of misinterpreted from the original time it was first used. Uh, but I, I kind of I kind of like that little gag. And then, of course, we find out, you know, on the next uh, George goes off to have fun, um, you know, which ends up with him being in a ball on the ocean, which is kind of uh, kind of funny. Uh, and I like how the people observing it are like, I don't know what's going on with that guy, but he certainly looks like he's having a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, Job goes on for the final time to uh, as it is such. Uh, so also uh, as it is such unto you. Um, where he goes to be deprogrammed, but by being programmed to be a Christian. So it's kind of like the opposite of deprogramming. Um, so he's going to be programmed, which is, a, he, he, he kind of goes on there saying that he's willing to kind of, you know, he's ready to kind of become a Christian. Uh, it's it's kind of a, a very weird kind of double negative gag. Uh, and joining me to talk about today is Jim Donahue. Hello, Jim. Anyan to you, sir. I don't, there's a, it's really weird because obviously this is the first half of the second batch of episodes um, but there's quite a lot of kind of continuing storylines going on. You know, I don't I don't think that the, the first half really... Like, the, the kind of stuff at the parade is the end of the first half of the season. And we end up with the kind of the jailbreak. Uh, there's a nice little gag where John Beard, over the, over the kind of... Um, from the TV, you can hear him say, you know, that he doesn't like the Keystone Cops bit. And he's like, this would be better if it was in black and white like it used to be. Which obviously is a reference to episode eight where they did that with the, the breakout and they turned it into black and white and put title cards up as though it were a Keystone Cops film. Um, so it's like a weird little inside joke that he goes, this would be more enjoyable if it were done like that. Um, you know, you can argue whether or not that gag was actually successful in that episode. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I like the kind of little inside joke thing there. I also like that John Baird has stuck with this, you know, show from the beginning. Actually, <laughs> it's nice to kind of, yeah, to kind of, here we are, here we are like, you know, 14, 15 years later, and he's still kind of appearing as himself, um, you know, and obviously he kind of gets more pathetic as the season goes on. And that, that was something they did already in season four, where he kept getting fired from certain jobs and ending up in a lower paid job each time. Um, so he's now basically just narrating parades. That's, that's as far as he's fallen. Um, 
but yeah, so I, I mean, I like all the stuff at the party, like the idea that people, I particularly like when um, maybe and George Michael walk past their grandparents and their grandparents are like, oh, yes, this is a nice party. And they're like, oh, yeah, look at it. Like they're both acting innocent uh, in the most suspicious way possible. Um, and then and then kind of as they get out of earshot, they then go back to their kind of plotting. Um, and I, I kind of I liked uh, the conversation between George Michael and maybe uh, ending with George Michael's line. No, but in my defense, I'm not a sociopath. That maybe <laughs> because maybe is pretty much acting like a sociopath in that conversation. Yeah, the whole kind of just clicking off her feelings for certain things, and of course, when Tobias is like Tobias is left standing by himself, and he's, he's like, "I've got no one," and maybe he's like right there, just like <laughs> you still got me, Dad. <laughs> and he goes, "Yeah, so I've got like basically one person." Um, of course, the the funny thing is. He's he's doing this whole, you know, I've, I've got nobody and all that. Like, it's a deliberate tactic to try and throw people off the fact that his family are in the attic. Um, so it kind of calls back to some of the earlier parties, particularly, um, uh, you know, George Sr.'s funeral, where um, George Michael was loudly saying stuff so for the benefit of the people who were in the attic. Um, you know, so, so it's kind of a callback to that gag. Um, but the fact that maybe standing right there and, and he's like, well, I've basically got one person like he's not saying that for the people in the attic. Then he's saying that for maybe and then just wandering off. Um, so and then, of course, she finishes the scene by going click as if she's basically stopped caring about her father. Um, you know, again, Alia Shawkat is a, a shining beacon in this season. Like everything she does is great. Um, you know, it's it's kind of uh, it's just kind of funny to see <laughs> see her attempting to connect to Tobias as he just kind of denies her and just wanders off to his his fake family living in the attic. Um, you know, and again, like she is the one kind of uh, driving all the kind of protest stuff at Fate Block, um, and this is where we kind of get the stuff with Job as well. We get we get, like he's talking about those paid protesters, um, and that becomes you know part of the the whole the the, the kind of business meeting he has in the and I like how uh, the narrator says let's call it the boardroom. <laughs> it's like you know like which is which is Adir's office where they've kind of they've put the desk in there which Job will not move out because he can't remember how he got it in there, um, and how he's kind of like they have the books that Job is not allowed to see. And he says, because they're for British eyes only. Um, and of course, Michael goes, well, if you're not allowed to see them, I'll take a look at them. <laughs> it's like, he doesn't understand like the whole concept of them, like being, um, you know, kind of the, the co-part. He doesn't understand of them managing the company. Um, so I, and I, I kind of, I like all the stuff in the meeting, particularly with the deer kind of rewarding Job with treats when he gets something right. Uh, like, which is something I don't think like, Job has been so wrong about so many things in the entire of the show. It's nice that someone's tried a different tactic to get him to understand stuff of just being like, well, if you get something right, I'll give you a treat. And uh, and it kind of works. Yeah, and I like that here here and in the uh, later in episode 13. He, he's a good actor. Made me laugh. And it's, it's funny as well because Job is still under the impression that because he's a compliance officer, he's got to be compliant. And so he has to do everything that Job says. So he keeps Job keeps trying to tell him to do stuff and trying to get him to adhere to it, um, which obviously adhere does not do. Um, but yeah, so I, I yeah, the actor is is really he's only, you know, he's only in a few scenes here and there, but he's he makes a lot of yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah, you kind of he's one of the more memorable parts of this second half of the season. Um, you know, and we're still kind of stuck on George Michael and Rebel Alley. Obviously, previously we had a wonderful scene with um, uh, the Howard family and all of you know, and, and George Michael dyeing his hair. 
Um, uh, later on, in I think in the final episode of the show, he actually says, how would you like me now? Uh, when he reveals his dyed hair, which is a wonderful kind of pun. Uh, but like the whole, I like as well how, um, you know, Rebel Alley is trying to, still trying to buy Fake Block and they're still trying to throw her off the scent. <laughs> Um, and then when they arrive at the offices, it turns out the fake block is, you know, pretty much like any kind of like dot com era, like kind of office where people are doing more playing than actual working. Um, and it's it's I don't know, it's 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 kind of well observed how they walk in and, and George Michael's expecting nothing. And then you've just got people kind of milling about and not actually working. But that's kind of what he expects from like a, a dot com company. I like the um, trampoline. That was a nice touch. I wouldn't mind a trampoline. <laughs> yeah um but i, I yeah I, I don't know i just i kind of the, the stuff with rebel alley like i love isla fisher so i'm kind of willing to put up with it but it feels like it kind of was fully played out in season four yeah and they just way too keep, long yeah they just keep dragging it on uh we've already had the narrator say that you know she's raised by a different mother and there's a whole different thing going on over there and like it's like the kind of the, the jokes with the narrator they were kind of funny in season four um you know as her her real kind of purpose was kind of um revealed but the fact that now she's still here it 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 just feels like kind of a loose end that they they can't successfully get rid of um although i do like that they you know she's like she's not she's she isn't attract she like doesn't like attractive guys and so he hires all so we we get the the i'm i'm guessing some of them are formerly hot cops um as the protesters here the guy foxes um uh, which of course, uh, Job, a classic kind of miss here, like he miss his Guy Fawkes as Guy Fox, um, and that's that's where we get these protesters. And I like how when they arrive, George Michael's like, he sees them and he's like, yeah, I think this one's on me. <laughs> like, it w- it was a gag that I was entirely saw coming from a while <laughs> away, but it kind of made me smile when it hit anyway. Yeah, and they like they they're kind of their their protest signs are this are the similar kind of stuff that they've had in this show before. The same with the. You know the pay pro. Basically, they're the pay protesters from the previous episode, but obviously the ten month gap makes it feel like it was from a completely different um, point. Uh, but yeah, we again we we also kind of to tie things into the previous episode, we get the footage of the uh, you know the, the the conversion closet trick going wrong, um, and how uh, Job is kind of focused on the whole thing about how. Uh, Tony Wonder is definitely alive and he definitely escaped the trick and all that. And so he's trying to convince himself of that and that, you know, that Tony Wonder hasn't gone anywhere. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I always find the stuff with Job and the business to be quite funny. It's something that I feel has kind of been missing a bit from season five um, uh, and certainly was missing quite a bit from season four as well was the, the, just the stuff, just the stuff at the, you know, at the at the company. Like that was something that was kind of a key of the first three seasons. So just having them in an office in a meeting, kind of Job not understanding fully what's going on and why Michael's looking at this other book, and you know the fact that he's learned that K means a thousand, and he says, I, you know, I must have told a deer a K times, and just like the fact that he misuses it like that instant. I, I don't know. Uh, there's some good. There's some good. St- I always like the stuff that goes on between like the two brothers because you know the bickering and all that kind of stuff is one of the backbones of of the show you know the stuff between michael and job has always been fun um so it's nice to kind of get them in a scene together and just have that kind of you know particularly with the business stuff i you know the the kind of how incompetent you know the bluth company was was always one of the funnier things um so the fact that job you know kind of doesn't understand that as co-president there's another like 
You keep saying, no, I'm the co-president. <laughs> and not understanding that it means that Michael's also co-president. Like, I like that kind of joke. I like Joe being just a little bit stupid. Um, you know, so I think all that kind of stuff works as well. Like, um, and also kind of the slow realisation that Job has that he doesn't really understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, and then he, you know, decides that he's got to basically return to be kind of, you know, uh, kind of become religious. Um, and maybe that's how he can stop being gay. Which, you know, uh, that that kind of all that storyline from the previous episode is still kind of carrying over here uh, of the kind of the, the gay conversion and uh, and how, you know, the gay mafia are basically forcing him to be uh, gay in public, which uh, which is nice because it ties in Lucille Ostero's brother to the plot again and kind of keeps him involved. And I always liked that guy. I thought he was quite funny in season four, um, you know, with his kind of weird commitment to musical theatre, but also how threatening he was to Michael and stuff like that. Tommy um, too. Boy, his career goes way back. Hello, Dolly. Um, I mean, unlike Henry Winkler, he's not ageless. He uh, He definitely looks his age. Uh, whatever that age is, um, which I think is probably the tan and the white hair. It just it, it just kind of makes him look a certain way. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I kind of I like I like his kind of threats, you know, like I, it, the kind of the fact that he kind of threatened Michael by stamping on him with like tap shoes and stuff like <laughs> just little little kind of details like that. I think uh, are quite fun. But yeah, um, Job deciding that if he becomes religious, he doesn't have to be gay anymore, of course, sends him back to uh, as it is such. Uh, which it's always fun to see, um, you know, Pastor Marsala and Pastor Veal. So obviously they come together to form uh, Veal Marsala, uh, which is like <laughs> such a, such a, they never, it's like one of those jokes they never say on the show, but obviously if you, if you hear the names, you realize what's going on there. Um, and the fact that they sit on the screen as Veal Marsala. Um, so it's, it's in order. It's kind of like the uh, Skip Church and uh, Miss Temple joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd meet me meet me at Miss Temple's on Friday. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's a nice little kind of uh, kind of joke. But yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I, I I kind of the stuff with Murphy Brown again it feels like a bit of a waste of Carl Mooney. But I do like Maria Bamford kind of reacting to Tobias saying, "Oh, that well, they're yeah, gonna have to." That yeah. that was funny. Yeah, they're gonna have to live off when he him becoming you know fully paid as an actor, and she just starts kind of wailing. <laughs> wailing, yeah, yeah. Uh, is there anything else in this episode you think? Uh, I just a, a, a tiny little bit part, but I love the woman who played the attendant at the the uh, kiosk where George gets uh, rents the the ball for the water. Yeah. She, she has this weirdly flat affect that made me laugh. Yeah, where she's like, you know, you could ride a bicycle made for two, which you know, if you were somebody else, is the is the most fun. But if you're by yourself, it's just extremely sad. It's the saddest thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was a, that was a great little role. Um, and then, of course, once he's in the ball and he's like trying, trying to stay, he's like trying to stay alive. Reaction he's kind of, of panicky. the, the uh, Coast Guard. Was it the Coast Guard? I think. No. Yeah, Coast Coast Guard. Phil and Jenny. Uh, sorry, Phil and Janine. Uh, uh, <laughs> when they're like. Whoever that guy is, he looks like he's really having fun. <laughs> Which obviously, uh, I, I, is... as far as Tobiasisms, I did like uh, it will come out in the most unexpected balls. <laughs> yeah, but then they kind of ruin it by really overplaying that joke, and it's just dragged out too much. And it's like you killed it. You had a great funny line. <laughs> and you killed it. They do, yeah. They do kind of. They do kind of keep. Yeah. Uh, they also kind of go back to Job hyperventilating, which was. Uh, you know, which was funny. Not my favorite things. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it was funny when it was in season three, and it was you know when he's there with when he in season four when he's with Anne, and he's like you know should I should 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 should, and it kind of like breaks down. Again, I thought that was funny, but coming back to it here for the third time, I feel like they it's not quite as successful because. Um, you know, it really needs someone to kind of, it needs someone straight to kind of play off and to work, but it's just him kind of hyperventilating at a television and kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't really kind of work in the same way. Um, you know, but I mean, it's still fun to see Will on it attempt to sell that gag, but yeah, you know, um, and of course, Tobias, when he's in the attic, he says that he is the sticky white glue that holds the family together. Um, <laughs> Which again is uh, kind of. <laughs> I also, I also, I mean, you know, it, it. I mean, you know, it feels more kind of heavy-handed. But the, you know, the fact that Tobias, uh, not Tobias, the fact that Job attended both semesters of Trump University, both Saturday and Sunday. Yes. Yeah. In um, K. <laughs> yeah, which is you know a bargain. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, I've like some of the like the satire that was kind of in the the previous seasons was a little bit sharper. That just feels a bit blunt. But still, you know, it's a fun it's a fun joke, uh, and also we get a nice snippet of balls in the air as well, uh, which is always a, a fun kind of thing. And of course, I mean, it's weird because the whole balls joke with you know Tobias and Job, uh, we then of course get balls in the air, and then at the very end, uh, George Senior ends up in a gigantic ball. Um, so for some reason that was the running joke in this episode was balls <laughs> and I, I don't know that it ever went anywhere but you know uh, and of course I like I do like the banner as well where they've had to cross people's names out <laughs> before they eventually arrive at like you that's know. another thing it would have been a great visual gag in the background but the narrator had to point it out yeah and I killed it yeah yeah where, where he says they repurposed the banner yeah uh, it kind of draws its attention. a background joke, and I would have liked it twice as much. Yeah, uh, uh, and I, I mean, again, I don't know. There's a huge amount to say about the stuff with Buster and Oscar. You know, like they're still they're on the run. Um, you know, and they're chained together, and they go to the hospital, which they, which Oscar reads as um, uh, instead of saying God, he says Goad. Um, so obviously <laughs> that's where it's a nice little mispronunciation. Uh, that comes in there, uh, but yeah, I, I, like I, you know, the fact that they they choose like a new hand, and you know, I don't know. There's not like a huge amount in that that plot, really. It's kind of just setting up stuff for the next few episodes until we get the the payoff of it. Um, also, kind of a lame uh, William Shatner toupee joke. I mean, there's other jokes you could make about William Shatner, and I feel like the toupee is a joke that people have been doing for long enough. Yeah. That it's, it's it didn't of, even look like a William Shatner toupee. No, no. It, it was just kind of a random, this is a color. Yeah, this, this is a famous person who wears a toupee gag. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, uh, is there anything else that kind of needs to be talked about here? Um, We've crossed everything out on my list. It's funny because like uh, as well, I mean, I guess one of the nice little jokes in the Oscar and Buster thing is they have uh, on the run is their logo <laughs> on, their, on their clothes. <laughs> Uh, and they literally are on the run. So that, that's, again, that, that they don't call attention to that joke. So it's a nice little kind of background joke, you know, if you if you kind of notice it. So, uh, but yeah, uh, and and I, I, I mean the fact that like they run into Stan Sitwell and that kind of nothing comes of that. It's like oh, okay. A question for you: Why is Stan Sitwell in the hospital? He was run over by the parade. Well, no, actually, he was punched. He was punched by um by Oscar. Okay. When when he when he escaped with uh with with Buster, um, he gotcha. literally just punched him. So that's that's why his head's uh, heavily bandaged. Um, you know, from from that. 
Um, yeah, so, well, I don't think there's anything else then that needs to be covered, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Jim? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm other Jim Donahue. And you can find us on Twitter at uh, Huge Mistake Pod or on Facebook at I Made a Huge Mistake. Uh, thanks, Ms. Wolf, for being my guest here today, Jim. Thanks very much. And otherwise, goodbye. <laughs>